I, I might be a little fired up too. I led a man to the Lord last week. You know, in, in the Ozarks, it's hard to lead people to Jesus because everybody thinks they're saved. And then once you're saved, you're always saved. I love the way you're helping me already. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's really a damnable doctrine to think that when you were 10 years old, you went to a VBS and you gave your heart to Jesus and then you live like a heathen and drugs and alcohols and sickness and sin and perversion and you still think you're saved. How many know that's a lie from the very pit of hell? How many know you can come back to Jesus? How many know Jesus, there is not a sin that Jesus will not forgive? But for you to believe that lie that you're just always going to be saved no matter how you live, how I many know that's bad news? And then if you confront that, they will say, well, the thing about it is, Brother Ron, you never were saved. And I have to tell them, hey, won't you make up your mind? I don't know whether I'm saved or not. How I many know there's a deal with God that you can know that you know that you know that you're saved? I can know that I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. Amen. That's called the keeping power. I believe in eternal security of the believer. I just don't believe in the unconditional eternal security of the believer. So you got to get that right. Rightly divide the word of God. Know your Bible and preach truth. It's very convenient. There's a lot of religions out there trying to make Christianity convenient. But it's more than convenience. It's a commitment. It's a covenant. A covenant that God made a long time ago. Right? On Mount Sinai. He made a covenant. He made a covenant longer than that. He made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and you, and me, and David. Hello? How many believe we're still under the covenant with God? And so he's got this, he's got this desire to be with us. And today I want to talk to you just briefly about the, about the Lord's desire to be with us. It's called revival. We say revival. We don't know what revival is. We, we think we know what revival is, and what we do is we turn back to the past of what we call revivals, revivals of the past. We've been studying that, and, and, and they're more like moves of God, moves of the Spirit, right? The Spirit moved. He came into our countries, our nations, and He swept across our nation. How I many know oh, God's still sweeping across nations today? We don't hear much about the good news. All we look on TV and see is bad news. But how many know God's spirit is moving across the land? People are getting saved every day, every minute in the assemblies of God. Somebody's getting saved. Every five minutes, there's a church being planted somewhere in the world today. Could somebody give the Lord praise? The spirit of God's still moving. Is he moving right here? It's usually what we concern ourselves with is our little life, our little church our little things. But how many know God's bigger than you and me? And he's got a big plan. It's a big plan. And, and since I'm a uh, big picture guy, I want to look at the Bible and I want to see what God has done and I want to see what he wants to do. I want to see what he's doing right now. How many know he's the God of yesterday, today, and forever? So I want you to take a look with me on how to bring the glory back. Revival is bringing the glory back. Haggai chapter 2 uh, well, it didn't get to, didn't type in. That's my little computer. It always misses the first uh, number. But it's chapter 2, verses 3 through 9. Don't worry about it. It's chapter 2. Somebody say chapter 2. Some of you are going to be OCD and freak out the whole rest of the service because 2 didn't show up on the PowerPoint. <laughs> I'm OCD and ADD. That means I want it to be perfect, but I want it to happen real quick like. <laughs> And so, so have you ever wondered, uh, have you ever wondered, is the Lord going to bring another last day's revival? Have you ever wondered that? 
Well, you won't be the first and you won't be the last. But I got to tell you, the Lord's promise, they are true. Amen. And so look with us uh, on the 21st day of the seventh month. Oh, sorry about that. On the 21st day of the seventh month, October 17th, um, 520 B.C., the second year of Darius, king of Persia, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this house, this temple that they're rebuilding, in its former glory, Solomon's temple, the other one? And how do you see this temple now, the one you're looking at? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? And when I was reading this and studying this, I thought, man, that's just where we are today. We're looking back at Azusa Street and the Welsh revivals, and we've been doing a study on that. And we look at today and we think, man, God's not doing nothing. But how many is ready to hear the word from Haggai? I want you to look at this. It's pretty incredible. But now, he says, I want to encourage you. Be courageous, Zerubbabel declares the Lord, and be courageous also, Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and be courageous, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. Somebody shout work. We want to see revival, but nobody wants to work. We want to see souls saved, but nobody wants to witness. We want to see miracles, but nobody wants to pray. I mean, no, it takes just old, good old-fashioned hard work. Missed a good chance to shout right there. Work. America is allergic to work. I look everywhere, down Sunshine, Glen Stone, any street you drive on, now hiring, now hiring, now hiring, and can't find anybody to go to work. You know why? Nobody wants to work. Nobody wants to work. But Haggai didn't say, oh, God's just going to fall and nothing. you don't have to do nothing. He said, get to work, get to work. This would have preached in a Pentecostal church. This would have preached really well. Work, work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. Work, for I am with you. Look, what else does he say? As for the promise which I made with you when you came out of Egypt. Now he goes back to Mount Sinai, comes back to the promises God made to Moses. My spirit stands firm and immovable and continues with you. Do not fear. Do not get discouraged. Do not be disheartened. Be of good courage. How many times do we hear Jesus saying, be, uh, be of good cheer, do not worry, do not fear, right? Because he is the glory of God. God's about to tell us something today. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, that means, that means I did it before. Once more, I'm going to do it again. In a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Hallelujah. I will shake all the nations and they will come with the desirable and precious things of all nations. And I will fill this house with glory and splendor, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The silver is mine. The silver is mine, he said. And the gold is mine too. I mean, no, it all belongs to the Lord. It's all mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory, just as the text, the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former glory, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, right here, the temple of the Lord, I shall give the ultimate peace and prosperity, declares the Lord of hosts. How many could use a little peace and prosperity? How many could use a little healing and miracle? How many could use a little finances? None of you? Okay. The theme is the glory of the temple. 
the theme is the glory of the temple. So here's what's happening. Zerubbabel and all those guys tried to rebuild with Ezra. And uh, 66 years earlier, the temple that Solomon had built was destroyed. 66 years earlier from our text. And now Haggai is prophesying to a discouraged bunch of people. And they're building, they're wanting to rebuild, and they, they're just, you know, supposed to start the foundation. So, so the Lord was upset. Remember First Chronicles chapter 29? He said, you know what? He said, I'm pretty upset with you people. He said, you're worried about your own house while my house lays in, in rubble. And, and isn't that like America today? We're worried about our own stuff and our own house while the house of the Lord is in shambles. And for 66 years, they tried and they didn't get it done. But here they're trying again. And God makes a word from Haggai. He said, hey, if you will just pour the footings, if you will just build the foundation, if you just get to work, just go to work, just do something. Don't just stand there and look. They were a bit disappointed at, uh, as they were building the little uh, blueprints of this new temple. It was, it was pitifully uh, little, right, in comparison to Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple, what, $20 billion, all the gold, all the silver. You know, they, uh, David provided everything. He said, son, I provided everything. Now be strong and build the house. It's be of good courage. There's an encouraging word from King David to his son Solomon. Build the house. And they built the house. Remember last week? I know we were online. But if the glory of the Lord fell in the house of the Lord, the dedication of the temple, of Solomon's temple, and the priest couldn't minister. And uh, has the glory of the Lord fallen out there? Are you all asleep or fell out or something? Are you there this morning? It's all about the glory of God. I said it's all about the glory. It was the glory of God. That's the reason that he goes back to Mount Sinai when Moses was up on the mountain. The people didn't want to be with God, but God wanted to be with the people. But so the people sent the prophet of God, Moses, up to be in the presence of God. And how many know the glory of God is where his presence is? That's why Moses said, I'm not going anywhere and I'm not doing anything unless you go with me. I want the glory with me. I want his presence with me. That's where things happen in the glory of God, right? And at the Mount Sinai, he shook the mountain. And here in Haggai, we see a picture, a parallel in good hermeneutics. If you're going to do a good study of scripture, you want to take the text you are, go back to an event, a theme of the glory of the temple, go back to where God was on Mount Sinai where his glory showed up. And there's where God's glory, and he gave them the word. How many know God speaks? God spoke to Moses as a friend face to face. He spoke to Abraham, right? And how many here believe that God still speaks? Our ears ought to be perked up in this last day. If we're calling on God for revival, we better perk up our ears and get into the glory of God. That's where he is. That's where things happen. We're building churches all over the place. We're putting them in a, in a parking lot. We'll put them in a movie house. We'll put them in a bar room. How many know the physical building means nothing? It matters what's in the house. It doesn't matter if it's on the Mount Sinai mountain or if it's in the wilderness tabernacle. It wasn't the outside at all. It was the inside. God got uh, the instructions and gave them to Moses. They built the tabernacle because God wanted to be in the midst of his people. It's the glory of God. And that the fire just stood right over the glory of God in the Holy of Holies. There's the presence of God and the people of God. They worked and the priest of God work. Never has there been a day where priests of the Lord are more lazy than today. 
You don't have to say, amen, let me talk to the priest out there. If you're in the ministry, it's not a picnic. I mean, it's more than a vocation or a career. This is a calling. If you're going to preach, you might have to take some heat. You might have to say some truth in the middle of a wicked, dark world. You might have to stand alone like Moses did on the mountain. But how many know if you're in the presence of the Lord and you can hear a clarion call from God, how many know the Lord will be with you? Don't be taken by this culture. I said, I don't care how dark it gets out there. How many know the light still shines in the house of the Lord? You are the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. You're already ahead of me. You know where I'm going. (laughs) So the Lord came from the mountain to the tabernacle, and there he was in the midst of his people. I remember as I read the Old Testament, I see Joshua looking at Moses at the tent of meeting, the place where he met with God, where the glory of God was. And Joshua almost was jealous, Max. He was like, I want to go. I just want to stand outside by the door and see what God's doing in the house. Amen? I said, I believe there's a day coming where the glory could be so great on this house that somebody outside wants to come inside to see what's happening in here. Why? Because the glory of God is in the house. It's not the preacher. We're living in a day where they have all-star preachers, celebrities. I mean, it's not about who's preaching. It's about who we're talking about. It's not who's doing the talking. I said, it's who we're talking about. And his name is Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. I feel like I want to sing the song now. How many believe he can change your life? The glory of God. He is the glory of God. He's he's the express image of the Father. And you and I, we are the church. I said, how many know we are the church? I said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have the light of the gospel living inside of us. We have the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Godhead. How many still believe in the Holy Spirit? He's in you. You are the temple of the living. Know ye not that you are the temple of the living God? We walk around as though we don't have any value. How many know you are the temple of the living God? The glory of God lives in you, resides in you, rests in you. Somebody ought to be shouting by now. That's why when you get this many people full of the Holy Spirit together, you have glory. Your glory, your light, and your light, and your light. And when you all light up, how many know it makes a bright light? And we need a bright light in a dark world, don't we? So fast forward then to Ezekiel. They built Solomon's temple, right? They built the temple, and then, wow. Ichabod was written over the door of the temple. The glory of the Lord departed. The glory of the Lord departed 400 years before the New Testament. But how many are glad? I don't want to spend too much time on the negative. How many glad 400 years between the inter-testament Inter, inter, uh, in between 400 years between Malachi and, and uh, Matthew, how many glad the Lord sent glory? Jesus Christ. Didn't look like much, Max. Just like I'm sure this temple didn't look like much. Here's the point of the story. They're looking at a temple and they look back to Solomon's temple and they're discouraged because this temple looks nothing like that temple. So Haggai has a couple of questions for the people of God. He said, who's here today who saw the temple in Solomon's day and remember its glory? Well, there's a bunch of them. It's only 66 years earlier. And they're discouraged, Rick. They look at this temple and they, and they look at the other one and they're just saying, man, just, it will never have a revival. We'll never see the glory of God like Solomon had. And they're remembering the past. Can I tell you, there's nothing wrong with remembering the past as long as you don't live there. I mean, no, I thank God for what happened in Azusa Street. But I believe that what God's going to do in our last days is going to make Azusa Street look like a little... 
Nothing. I got to be totally clear with you this morning. When it comes to revival, I don't have a clue. Considerably, uh, my opinion, considering my opinion, it's not that important at all. What difference does it make what Ron Moran thinks about revival? Everybody's got their own idea. It doesn't matter what you think. You might have a, a preconceived idea what it looks like. If you look back and maybe shaking and quaking and, and hollering and running, and maybe that's all part of it. I hope so. I hope so. But you're not doing well today. I said, if that's what revival is, you're not doing good today. Got to pry an amen out of you. Don't preach me well. I'm getting preached. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching good here. I don't consider my opinion very much, but I neither uh, can I help or hinder a true move of God. I, I can't do that much. I'm just one man, one woman. We are one family. But I tell you what, when God called us here, we, we knew the Lord said, hey, Ron and Melissa, create an atmosphere conducive for me to show up. Oh, Grove, all we can do is lift our hands to the Lord and say, send your glory, God. Send your presence, God. Give us another Pentecost. Does anybody have that desire today? I mean, we're seeing people saved every day. People are making decisions every day. Thousands and thousands. You can't even keep the numbers. The Lord must be all kind of confused upstairs trying to write in the Lamb's Book of Life. He's, oh, I can't write fast enough. People getting saved like flies. But let me tell you what's happening. They're making decisions, but they're not making disciples. Just because you said a prayer don't mean anything. I said it means something if you believed it in your heart and you, and you believed it in your heart and you confessed it with your mouth. How many know that's a, that's, a, that's a gate? That's not a goal. That's the gate. That's just where you start. It's not where you finish. How many know it takes more than just a prayer? A prayer and faith will get you started, but a life lived in Christ Jesus, how many know that's what's going to get you to the finish line? And we're not making disciples. And when Jesus left, he said, go and make disciples. The glory of God stood before us and said, I'm going back to glory where I came from. I'm sending you. You have my glory in you, and I'm sending you out. You are the light of the world. A city sit on a hill. You're set on a hill. Shine. Shine, people. That's what he's saying. Share my glory. Share my glory with everybody. You know, God will give you everything he's got. How many believe that? Just as a parent, a father and mother will give their kids everything they got. Okay, and I ain't got much, but the kids can have it. Whatever it is, Max. But you know one thing God's not going to give us? His glory. He will not share his glory with anybody. And I got to tell you something else. There's not a devil big enough to stop what God's about to do. And we get discouraged. Yes, we do. Especially in America. We look around. We let viruses discourage us. We let politicians discourage us. We let people discourage us. We let problems discourage us. We let... I mean, we get discouraged real easy. Some of you get a headache, you're about ready to die. I mean, no, it takes, it takes some steel in your heel, some backbone. It takes some people who's willing to go through something to, 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 to endure what God has in the future. Somebody's going to pay the price. Let me say it better. Somebody's going to pay the price. But in America, we're very results-oriented. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. I feel like I'm speaking to somebody. In America... We want to see results. And when we look around and we see a little old temple, we don't think very much of it. That's why he's asking. And how do you see the temple now, he says. In comparison, does it seem like nothing to you? 
He already knew what they were thinking. He already heard the chatter. He already heard the chatter. I mean, there's a lot of chatter out there. There's a lot of people talking out there, and there's a serious agenda. Has anybody watched the news lately about the gay choir that's singing, we're going to take your children? How many know they're not taking our children? How many know it's time for the church to rise up, not against people, but against the wickedness of this evil world and the perversion that thinks they're going to take our nation and our children? So, well, pastor, it's people's personal opinion. No, no, no. Thus saith the Lord. That's an abomination before God. We need to stand and protect the house of the Lord. Protect your children. They're singing boldly. Boy, if we can get the boldness that the San Francisco gay choir is singing yesterday. You look it up. Google it. That's all you do anyway. It's a Google generation. I think it's drove you goo-goo crazy. Google. Proper name. Google, Google. As if you didn't have all you needed from the word of the living God. I mean, no, Google don't know. Siri is not the smartest person in the world. I started to say, forgive me, Siri, but I don't even know who she is. And I hate when she gives me directions. She always gets me lost. How many know Siri will get you lost? But Jesus will find you. This world's confused. They believe anything and everything. All in the name of love. How many know love that doesn't correct is not love at all? If pastor didn't love you, he wouldn't speak truth to you. Come on now. If you want to be one of these churches that just blends into the darkness, then go right ahead. But I believe at Old Grove, we're going to be a light in a very dark world. We're going to stand in opposition to anything that's not in the word of the Lord. Do we love people? Yes. Are they welcome? Absolutely. Come as you are. But how many know we're not going to let you stay the way you are? Because I want to tell you about my Jesus. And Jesus can change your life. So what they're saying is we want to be a part of the church, but we don't want to change our life. And we're saying, you're not going to be comfortable at all at Oak Grove. It gets hot at Oak Grove Assembly of God in more ways than one. If you're cold out there, come up here. You'll defrost in about two seconds. I'm just telling you the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost in here, and I believe the Lord's about to shake some things up. I think he is. And here's what I think I see. I, I believe that there is going to be an outpouring in the last days. Does anybody believe that? Uh, so I, I believe, I believe I see humility as a sign of authenticity, humility. I don't think it's arrogance. Won't be no superstars. Won't be no big names. Nobody cares who you are, sir or ma'am. I don't care how many books you write. I mean, no, it's going to be Jesus or nothing. He's not going to share his glory with anybody. You can build the biggest temple you want to. I mean, if the Lord's not in the house, it's no good. We labor in vain who try to build without the Lord. Psalm 127.1. Hello. God's wanting to do something, but he's not going to share his glory. I think it's going to be humility. I think it's going to be preaching Christ crucified as a central theme. No fundraisers. Their evangelist today takes them 45 minutes to take up the offering. How many know that's because they want more? They want more. They want something. And it's not glory. It's not glory. It's money. Can I tell you, I'd rather be broke and have the glory of God and have all the money of the world and have no Jesus. So it's a form of godliness. It's a form of godliness. But there's no power there because there's no glory there. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I'm telling you the kind of church I'd like to pastor. So when I call about having a revival, I'm not talking about superstars. 
all the manifestations that happen toward whatever it looks like, it's going to focus on Christ. The Holy Ghost, his number one job description is to lift up Jesus, not man. I've had people in the past, the pastor, I would like to dance on the platform. Uh, so I have a ministry to dance on the platform in front of all your people. So first of all, they're not my people, they're the Lord's. Second of all, I'm not certain they want to see you dance. And I told them to go in the balcony. They did. They went in the balcony. Their flag and they danced and the hallelujah. I mean, no, we don't care. You can go up there and dance all you want to. Well, they might care up there. Those that are up there now, you might care. Hate to be a distraction to y'all, but come on down. <laughs> Woo! I mean, oh, in this house, it's not about you. It's not even about me. It's about our Jesus. He is the glory of this house. And if you take him out, you got nothing. Say, Pastor, uh, he's not here. He's at the right hand of the Father. Yes, that's right. That's why he tagged out the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is here. I said, the Holy Spirit of here. I said, the Holy Spirit is here. He is the express glory of God. That's why we need another Pentecost. God is raising up a remnant made up of those who want to see a move of the Spirit that conforms believers into the image of Christ, not the world. It's hard to tell the difference between the world and the church today. See, that's old-time preaching. No, it's not. It's been being preached for years, even 50 years after the resurrection, they were preaching this. It's called lukewarmness. Didn't take long for the devil to have his little, raise up his ugly head. The devil doesn't want the glory of God to be prevalent at Oak Grove Assembly of God. And the world certainly don't have a clue. But he doesn't come without a fight. I see weeping and brokenness and worship and mercy and gratefulness and joy and peace. That's what I see when I think about revival. What do you see? And you can have your own personal revival. Amen. Isaiah 58, 10 through 11. No need to travel. Here it is. You know, some people are traveling all over the world for finding revival. I mean, no, you can get revival right here, right now. Look at it. Isaiah 58 said this. No need to travel. Look at it. If you draw out of your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall your light rise in obscurity and your darkness be as the noonday sun. And the, cord, and, and, and the Lord shall guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and make fat thy bones. And you shall be like a watered garden and like a, a spring of water whose waters fail not. That's who you could be. And Haggai is talking to these folks and they're discouraged and they think the Lord has shown out all his glory in Solomon's temple and there's nothing left for us over in our day. So Haggai encourages Zerubbabel with a couple of things that I want to encourage you with. Are you ready? He's three things. First of all, he said, I'm with you. I mean, thank God that he's with us today. He said, don't, don't fear. Don't fear. He said, yeah, you neglected the house of the Lord. Of course you neglected the house of the Lord. We wouldn't be in the shape we're in. 66 years and the house is still in rubble. You're building your own house and leaving mine to nothing. I mean, it's time to open up the doors of the church. The temple is for the people. It's for the glory of God and the people of God come to the temple to make sacrifice, to give worship, to give honor to the Lord, to be in the Lord's presence. That's what the temple is about, to pray, to seek the Lord, to give. Remember when Pharaoh sent them out, he gave them all kind of silver and gold, said, get out of here. I mean, that wasn't Pharaoh giving anything. That was Yahweh giving the people of God what they needed to survive in the wilderness. You look back on this comparison. It's amazing. 
And that's why we're going to see what Haggai says in the future. They came out with precious things and wonderful things. That's all God's provision. It's what God provides. And God provided it with with David. King David provided all the gold and all the silver, but it didn't come from David. How many know it came from Yahweh? God provided for the temple that was most beautiful. And here they're discouraged. He said, don't be fearful. Don't be discouraged. I know you're looking at little things and there are no results. You don't see any results. It's hard for a pastor in the 21st century. There's a lot of people in the administration today, uh, grading and degrading. I want to say to you in administration, you ought to be careful. If you hadn't pastored in the 21st century, you don't have a clue what we're dealing with. Till you get back in the pulpit and find out what's out there. This this world needs to be entertained, but hey, you can, if you're looking for entertainment, don't go to Old Grove because I don't have any. I don't have anything to entertain. I can't even juggle. I can't even juggle. They won't even let me sing. I was singing by myself over there. Wouldn't let me sing the song I wanted to sing with them. When y'all come back, I'm singing it with you. When you come back, I'm singing it. How many think I ought to sing it with them when they come back in a few minutes? Just one. I'm going to do it. I'm going to sing it. I think we should be more aware of our surroundings. It's an exciting time to be alive. I said it's an exciting time to be alive. But Haggai gives a prophetic word from God. The glory of this present house they don't they don't even understand he said the glory of this little house he said it's going to be greater than the former glory of solomon's house and many scholars are thinking that he's talking about the messianic kingdom in the millennium and maybe he is but i don't think he's that far in the context of our scripture here today i don't think he's that far into the millennium you know what i'm saying because because he's talking to people who understood they're going back to israel they're going back to Moses. They're seeing God's deliverance. They're seeing God's provision. They're seeing God's glory in the tabernacle. And now these people, here we are, are looking back to Solomon's temple. They've seen God's provision. They've seen God's glory. And now they're looking at this little old temple that's not even built yet. And in proportion to the size of that one, they're discouraged. But what I think Haggai is pointing to is our Jesus. Hallelujah. Because you see, understand this. It wasn't a thousand years came by and in the temple of Herod comes a little boy sitting on the steps of the South Temple, 12 years old, confounding all of the scribes and the Pharisees and the leaders. He was blowing their mind because he wasn't just a 12-year-old boy. Jesus was more than just a boy. I mean, no, he's a son of the living God. And he blew their mind because... He is the glory of God. Jesus walked into the temple with Mary and Joseph. And that little temple, Herod's, paled in comparison. Listen, listen, Solomon's temple paled in comparison to who walked in to the temple. (laughs) When he walked in on the day of the triumphal entry, and they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. How many know some people got a clue? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Pastor, why are you screaming? Just a few of us here. I don't care if there's a 100,000 here. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. When he came in, it was the express glory of God. Let's just go back to the stable, Josiah. It was the glory of God. 
And Haggai says they came from every nation. They'll come from every nation bringing precious things. And the Magi came from nations around to drop out uh, gold and frankincense and myrrh. I mean, God had a plan way back then for the glory to arrive in the future. That's the prophetic word that Haggai has. And they were discouraged. And today you might be discouraged at home. Pastor, you might be discouraged. People, you might be discouraged. But Haggai said, hey, Zerubbabel. Hey, high priest. Hey, people of God, don't be discouraged. The former glory is going to pale in comparison to what I'm about to do. And Jesus is here. Can somebody shout amen? Jesus is here. You know, we look back at Pentecost, talk about the glory of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit just saturated them. Tongues of fire sat upon each other. I mean, no, that's the glory of God. That's the presence of God. That's the fire of God. That's the Shekinah glory of God. Are y'all hearing me? And then the church was birthed. And we raise up these temples and edifices and churches. That's why when Jesus, he left, he said, I am no longer with you. I am in you. I am in you. And you are the temple of the living God. You are the glory of God. You're not God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not God. Because some people think they're God. Go ahead and do it. Turn them and say, hey, you're not God. And turn back and say, you're not God either. If I was God, things would be quite different down here. you got to be thankful Pastor Ron is not God. None of us would be alive, including me. I'd annihilated the whole bunch. <laughs> but he said, hey, hey, hey. He said, I'm going to be with you. My promise is still, the deal is still on. Abraham's promise is still a promise for you and for me. Still on. God will bring you peace and blessing and prosperity. All the nations will come with gifts of precious things. They'll come from around the world. And, and maybe there will be a messianic temple being built. Some say during the tribulation they'll build a temple. But I don't think that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about Herod's temple or the Messianic temple, we're talking about Jesus. Is everybody getting a clue here? He is the glory of God. Then he says, is there any seed in the born? Any? Verse verse 18, is there any seed in the born? The answer is there's not enough. Whatever seed you think you have in the born, whatever money you think you have to build, how many know it's not enough? We've been trying to build an annex over here or a children's center. How many know we're not going to have enough? We're not. Thank God for your faithfulness, Oak Grove. But it's up to us. How many know it's going to take us forever? But how many know if we put it in the hands of the Lord, the Lord will provide. Why? Because we want to get the glory of God in the next generation. I said we're going to go and we're going to work and we're going to give and we're going to pray until God raises up something for the next generation. So why don't they just come in here? Why, you can't hardly get it. How do you expect the children to get it? we got to give them an opportunity to hear the gospel on their level of understanding. They need to know about Jesus. How many know he's the same Jesus for the children as it is for the youth and the young adults and the adults and the senior adults? How many know we're talking about the same Jesus? But we have to put it in a way where they understand it's in this place. The glory of the present house is going to be greater. And I'm going to give peace. But they can only remember the old house. And his, his golden splendor, and, and, uh, and they didn't understand. So now that you have begun the work of rebuilding the house, he said, the foundation, I'm going to open up heaven for you. So, oh, girl, I want to take today to make an inauguration day, a declaration day. How about we say from this day forward? Come on, somebody shout it, from this day forward. 
Everybody shout it from this day forward. If you're online, shout it from this day forward. We're going to work and we're going to pray and we're going to believe. and We're going to serve and give and love until the glory of the Lord fills the house. Don't abandon the Lord's house. That's what they did in 1 Chronicles 29. They abandoned. They didn't even close. They closed the door of the church. They closed the door of the church. Remember that? But the prophet of God came and opened up the doors. What took so long to close the doors took eight days to clean it up. Read 1 Corinthians. I mean, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Eight days, Max. Can I tell you, it's been a little while, 105, 10 years since we had Azusa Street. But how many know in eight days God can, in one week, how many believe God can turn something around in our nation? Does anybody believe this? Is your pastor just insane? It's called crazy faith. Called crazy faith. But if we don't have faith, if we give up, if we get discouraged, we're never going to see God do what he wants to do. The glory of the churches in the last days will surpass the glory of the former days. God's not looking physical outward beauty. He's, your glory will be great. It's going to be Jesus. I want you to, I want you to see... Uh, Pastor, don't want you to worry about who's not here. I want you to remember who is here. Let's say that again. A lot of pastors are counting seats, nickels, and noses. I want you to know we're not worried about who's not here. We're worried about who is here, and that's the Lord. I can't make a culture steeped in darkness decide to come to the light. I mean, the Holy Ghost has got a job to do. Now, we could work and witness When's the last time you invited somebody to church? When's the last time you tried to tell them about Jesus? That's why I'm a little fired up. Danny Davis came to the Lord. He was supposed to join me this morning. I don't see him out there. Strung out on drugs. But how many know God can bring him around? I said, how many believe God can take and deliver that boy? 50 years he wasted his life. 50 years he wept through to salvation on the front door. Not in church. So if we can't have the glory in here, how many know the Lord will have it out there? Somebody's going to find the Lord, and it'll make a difference in their life. So so <laughs> the Lord says, I'm here for you. I'm with you. And we're going to reap a harvest unlike the world has ever seen. Sounds like 1914, doesn't it? 300 pastors in 1914 got together to start the Assemblies of God. By the way, Danny Davies, he thinks, he thinks we're Nazarene. <laughs> I said, you can think whatever you want to. I don't care what you think. You can think we're whatever. Are you Baptist or Nazarene? I never did tell him. I mean, no, we're more than all of that. Get so caught up in doctrine and church and titles. I mean, no, on the way up, they're going to blow off, and on the way down, they're going to burn off. You can take your title. I mean, no, we don't need any titles. We need a testimony of the glory of God. We need people who can get in with God and have a revival. So you say, Pastor, how can you be so sure? In the last days, Acts chapter 2, I will... Pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Every day, oh, grow, we inch a little closer to what we can expect in our future. So what is it? Well, if you're taking notes, Max, here's what I expect in the future. I expect an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. One that cannot be manufactured, duplicated, or copied. I said, what, ha- what God has for Old Grove is just for us. I'm not going to go around the nation trying to tell people how to duplicate what God does in here. Only God can do that. Amen? Only God can do that. I expect prophecies. 
I expect God's people to prophesy. That means uh, to preach, to scatter abroad the seed, to go out and evangelize, not only prophesy, but spiritual gifts would be an operation. I mean, a spirit-filled church ought to be operating in manifestations of the spirit. That's automatic. It's like naturalist breathing. Amen? I expect in our future an increase of the supernatural, miracles, signs, and wonders. I expect spiritual gifts and visions and dreams and healings and miracles and salvations and, and all of that. Is that revival? I don't know, but I, I look back and that's what I saw. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This, how many know if the first century had Pentecost, the 19th century had an outpouring, how about the 21st century church? Has the Lord forgotten about us? on the corner of 1320 South Oak Grove. Or 20 years ago, God spoke to Melissa and I said, there's going to be a revival in the land. And this church is going to be a catalyst to start a revival. And we've held on to it, and I'm going to hold on to it to my dying day. You know why? Because I may not see it with these eyes, but what God does in the supernatural heavenlies doesn't matter about me. It's not about me. How many know he can do it 20 years from now or 80 years from now? He can do it 10 years from now. He can do it one minute from now. But somebody might ought to open up their eyes and open up their ears and hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. So Exodus 16, 4 and 5, I will rain down bread from heaven for you on the sixth day. Are you prepared? <laughs> oh, He said, you go ahead and you prepare uh, what you bring in all five days. But on the sixth days, I want to I bring to you twice as much manna as you did the other days. Twice as much, a double portion, because Sunday is the day of the Lord. How many know the day of the Lord is Sabbath day? So, so Saturday, so you get in there. On the sixth day, you go ahead. It's probably Friday because Saturday was the Sabbath. So Friday, you go ahead and get a double portion on Friday. I'm going to bring a double. How many know the Lord will provide what you need? Just go ahead and gather it. If they gathered too much, it, it would go rotten. If they, if they didn't gather enough, they would go hungry. How many of you got to listen to the voice of the Lord? Second Kings 2.9, let a double portion of thy spirit. He said, Elisha said to Elijah, let it be upon me. And Jesus gets closer to his return. How many know, uh, I, believe, I believe I might be alive when he comes. That's how close I think he is. How many thinks the Lord is close to being? No, no, no. How many believe Jesus is just around the corner now? So we, we say that tongue in cheek. But what if he is? What if he is? I think if he really was as close as you thought he was or just said he was, you'd be really busy about the master's business. You wouldn't be making church an option. You wouldn't be lacking on your tithe. You wouldn't be uh, sipping saints. You wouldn't be piddling around and wasting your time. You'd be really busy about the master's business if you thought he was coming tomorrow. If a person knows that a robber's coming tomorrow night, read the parables. If you knew a thief was coming tomorrow night, you would get all kinds of protection around your house. The Lord's coming back like a thief in the night. How many know you better be ready? You better be ready, prepared. He's coming. I wouldn't want to be at aught with somebody. Before I left this service, if I, had, if I had animosity in my heart towards somebody, I'd go and grab them, bring them to the altar, and hug them and say, I'm sorry, but I want to get it right because Jesus could come in the next minute. I don't want to take any chances. So I'm expecting a double portion of bread from heaven, more of Jesus in my life, basically. So all I'm trying to say, Chrissy, if y'all come back, I'm expecting more insight into the word of God. I'm expecting to hear the Lord, Lord's voice more clearly, more concise, 
more clear. I want to hear the Lord's voice. I don't want to have any distractions. I want to be close to the Lord. How many want to be close to the Lord when he comes back? If not, he's going to say, who are you? I never even knew you. So, so I refuse to be deceived by Satan. Let me give you this as we go, go home now. In light of these truths, I refuse to be discouraged or deceived by Satan and, and his lies. So here's some helpful hints, Max. Three more and I'll let you go home. Don't be fooled by the present darkness. I mean, oh, there's an agenda out there trying to make the church believe that it's over. But pastor doesn't believe it's over. Because one little light, I said one little light can eradicate the darkness. And if we rise up and shine, how many know we can change things in this culture? I said the church shines brightest when the world is the darkest. So don't be fooled by the present darkness. Don't be fearful of the present chatter. Who, who, whose report will you believe? I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. There's always people out there chattering. There's always people out there talking nonsense. There's always people with an agenda, pushing their agenda. I mean, no, they're going to pay. And shepherds who do not tell their people the truth are going to pay. I said they're going to pay. One little lady, I heard a testimony the other day. The lady said, to giving the testimony, she said, I just wanted to find the pastor who lied to me. Where's the pastor who lied to me? Said I can be, I can be drinking and smoking and carrying on and, and having fornication and, and cohabitation and all this stuff and still be a born-again Christian. Where's that preacher who lied to me? Can I tell you the truth? Sin separates you from God. You can go to church all you want to, but sin's gonna separate you from the Lord. There's no glory there. I hope I can have my church. We don't have a board meeting today. I might be out of a church. But there's some churches open. Don't be fearful of the chatter out there. And number three, don't be mesmerized by the light in the world. I mean, no, there's an artificial light. I said there is an artificial light. Satan goes around like a, a, like a light. He's kind of like a light, right? Disguised. There's an artificial light out there. There's an artificial gospel out there. They're not telling you the truth. They're not telling you the truth. If you're listening online and you're going to go with every whim of everybody and every podcast, you better find somebody who'll tell you the truth. Because in the last day, that's all you got. The truth is going to set you free. And if they don't hear me, I'm talking to you, whoever you are. I didn't know it was so easy to preach online. You don't have to have a response. All I'm saying is it's never too late for a revival. Hey, hey, don't give up on America. I said, how many Americans are in this house? You're going to sit idle by while they take our children, take our culture, take God out of everything and leave us with nothing? I mean, oh, I don't think it's over till God says it's over. May God bless America one more time. May he put out, listen, he can hold back his wrath, his judgment. He can reverse it. He can reverse it. What was happening was they, they, were, they were not having uh, any crops. The seed wasn't producing anything. 
The Lord said, you just built this foundation. You just start building the temple. Just start working on the temple, and I'm going to bless you. You're going to have so much stuff. You have so much grain. You're going to have so much wine. You're going to have so much that you're not even going to be able to handle it because it's my glory that's going to provide for you everything. It's never too late to reverse God's judgment. God's looking for people to stand in the gap as we believe for revival. So I want you to go past your preconceived ideas of revival. That's what I want you to do. Wipe it out of your mind, whatever you thought it looked like, shaking and quaking or whatever you think it was. What God has for you in the next days ahead is just for you. It may look different. I don't want to say I know. I want you to let go of the idea that we will never see another revival. Let go of that idea. That's doubt. That's unbelief. That's discouragement. Is anybody here? Say, Brother Ron, with a raised hand. Say, Brother Ron, I'm believing for that revival. I'm believing. Come on now. How many? How many? Just so. And lastly, look up for your redemption draws nigh. God sends his people forward. Even in the wilderness, they always went forward. I know it was in a circle, but they still went forward. And when they got to the Red Sea, they had no money. They had no resources. They had the enemy behind them and the world in front of them, a blockade in front of them and and the enemy behind them. And the Lord said, stand and see the salvation of the Lord. He led them through the wilderness. He led them through the Chronicles and the Kings. And how many know he'll lead us through this last days? Because he's a good God. Never too late. The King is coming. Would you stand with me today? In Revelation, there is no temple for Jesus is the temple. There's no need for a temple in the book of Revelation. In the new heavens and new earth, there's no need for a temple. How many know Jesus is the temple of God? So let go of all that stuff I just talked to you about. Let's have a vision for revival. Would you lift your hands? We're going to sing that to the Lord.